Welcome to Retro Fanfic Retrospective, the podcast where we dredge up old fanfiction and expose it to the cold, harsh light of 2022, hoping each time that that fanfic will be our fanfic home. My name is Amato, he, him, and with me are... Tori, they, them, and... Annie, she, her. And Annie, thank you so much for coming on to this show with us. Yeah, thanks for having me. Well, this was a case where you reached out to us, actually, for contact things, because you're also a uh, person who talks about fan fiction on the internet. Yes, probably a little bit too much. (laughs) Could you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, actually, I think I was doing some research for my podcast or one of the podcasts that I work for, and we were doing like feminism and fan fiction or something. And I, I came across your podcast and like my kids were at soccer practice. So I was like, all right, they did some X-Files stuff, which is my main fandom. So I popped the headphones in and like did laps around the, 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 um, soccer field. And I listened and I was like, Oh, cool. But, um, I was shocked that you guys did like all fandoms. So that was interesting to me. Well, I do love hearing about ourselves, but I actually meant, could you tell us a little bit about your fanfiction projects and like what stuff you normally, uh, normally do? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So that's, uh, I run or I help run. I'm one of three who is part of the audio fanfic podcast, which we started off just reading fanfic in like audiobook form. And from there we were like, well, people have a lot to say about fanfic. And so we started the darkest timeline book club which where we take like all the things that nobody wants to read like all the non-con dub con um mostly with x-files um because that's our expertise um just like molder other scully other just like the stuff that nobody wanted to read and everyone was complaining about um and we do that and um so we dissect those, kind of get into what does this all mean? We do a history. We, we just like find different avenues that we want to explore and dive into those really a little bit of SVU, a little bit of other stuff, but mostly X-Files. And then from there, we're like, well, what do me and this one other girl, um, she and I were saying, what do other people, what, what do people want to read besides fanfic? And so from there, we started the Fangirls Library, where... When you're fangirling about something, you know, David Duchovny wrote a book. Maybe you want to read David Duchovny's book. And so from there, that started. That's relatively new, and we're still kind of figuring out our groove. But um, that's that's kind of where I come into the fanfic picture. I've definitely been aware of the the audio podcast. And whenever I talk about fanfiction podcasts, I'm like, oh, yeah, they've been going for a really long time. And I think Della usually reminds me that, in fact, it's not that you've been around that long. It's just that you've been so prolific. You've done so many episodes of that and put out so much content that it feels like you're so well established with it. Um, We've been around, I want to say three, three and a half years, but we have oh, okay. a that lot is... of contributors, um, a lot of people who read some like real actors who read and they're fantastic. Um, and because of that, we are able to get a lot of content out there. Nice. I want to say like eight, nine to 10 episodes a week on some <laughs> weeks. So yeah, it's, it's a lot. Wow. No, yeah. that, that is a lot. <laughs> well, I mean, we've been going for three and a half years, but like we only like, switched to a once every two week release schedule. And we used to be once every week, but like 
that's gotten us, I don't know, we're over 200 episodes, but you must have put out no, so much we're content. We're not over 200 episodes. Yeah. Oh, no, wait, we're over 100 episodes. We're, where are we at? That's uh, an excellent question. We're still south of 150, I think. Okay, my bad. 133? <laughs> That's my main point, though, is that, yeah, we have a lot, but, like, you must have a lot of stuff out there. So that's pretty impressive. Yeah. Well, take a story that has 20 chapters. Each chapter is going to be its own episode. It all drops at the same time. You automatically have 20 episodes right there. So it's a little bit of a different format. It's a lot different than what you guys do. But still, that's amazing. Like, just because I guess the reason I bring up is we often praise fanfic authors for their commitment to a work. And, and that's commitment right there. So it's commitment. Yeah. Yeah. You're taking a 60K fic. I mean, that's that could be like a month of recording and editing. And it's a lot. For sure. Yeah. But thank you. Thank you for. Um, I don't know if you've actually listened, but I, you've clearly thought of us. So thank you. <laughs> Only a little bit. I'm not. I mean, I actually didn't know that you did anything besides X-Files. It's, I, I thought it was all X-Files, which is not so much my thing. Um. But I only dropped in to kind of hear what what was going on with that podcast. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I mean, it yeah. sounded nice. And I didn't realize there were so many people involved, actually, because I didn't listen to it thoroughly. That's really cool. Um, you know, it depends on the month. And it's very much like, who can record this month? We need to fill in these days. Mondays and Fridays are going to be X-Files. Wednesdays, we do a lot of um, SVU, silk stocking, um, I think I've done, I know I've done some um, Sherlock, so just a little bit of everything. Have you gotten a chance to talk about Quantum Leap in that podcast? Never, never. I I know, I'm really excited about that. I don't know why. I guess I'm not so familiar with Quantum Leap on the internet, and so it's hard to like dip your toes in like, what's, what's good? What am I going to read that I'm going to like and want to put in that kind of commitment? So, yeah, well, we'll come around back to the fanfic we're discussing today. And I found it because it won an award. And, you know, that's what I have to do when I don't have a good, you know, any other person providing strong recommendations. But I think part of the issue was that Quantum Leap was kind of a pre-internet fandom for a large part. It it was there were a lot of zines um, and they're not always accessible, I feel like, on the Internet. Yeah, like, I was going to say, if there was Quantum Leap fanfic that I could find on the internet when I was watching Quantum Leap, you know, around the age of, like, well, I guess I watched it a little bit pre-internet, but also, like, around the age of, like, 11, we sort of had dial-up and stuff. I would have been all over that if that was available, but I never found anything like that. So this is my first Quantum Leap fanfic, yeah. (laughs) The the phrase I use for this podcast is that I need some reason to think the fanfic we're reading might be good because we're not trying to seek out bad fan fiction and winning an award is is only a reason to think it might be good it it's all still very hit or miss yeah and i'm yeah. sure we'll come Sometimes back to that we have really well researched fanfics but like it's amato's the only one who picks them so you know if amato doesn't know the fandom then he's it's, he's doing the research but he's sort of flying blind at the same time so anyway thank you for finding this amato uh, and all should the you be thanking you me? Well, I for sure will get to that. But well, uh, Tori, before we get jumping into the fanfic, Tori, you were just talking about watching Quantum Leap when you were uh, however old you just mentioned, like yeah. 11 or something. Could we check in about our background with this franchise? And specifically, Annie, I'd like to hear about you because you mentioned it as being like one of kind of your 
TV show loves, and it sounds like you are or have been engaged in the fandom in some way. Engaged in the fandom, but I found the show, God, it was like on USA or something when I was in fourth grade, all the reruns. And I just fell in love. I don't know what it was. I don't know if it was the time travel aspect, if Sam Beckett was, I mean, I thought he was cute. Um, but mm-hmm. you know, he was just like such a good person and he tried so hard to change things. And that was like a real show. They dealt with like the LA riots and, um, racism and rape and all these things. And I look back, I'm like, what was my mom thinking? But I was that kid on the playground who was trying to talk to other fourth graders about quantum leap and nobody <laughs> knew what it was about. So like nobody had heard of it. Um, but I'd always loved it. And then it's my husband's or one of my husband's favorite shows. And so we bonded over it when we first got together. We watched all the episodes, but that was like over a decade ago. So we upgraded to the Blu-ray recently and we are trying to like make our way through that. But um, it never had the online presence that something like X-Files or Star Trek did. And so there wasn't as much merch or chat about it. Um, So I never really got into it as much as other fandoms, I would say. Yeah, that that makes sense. Part of the reason I brought up being 11 is because I remember that was my favorite show when I was 11. I'm sure I was watching. They showed so many reruns. I saw it over and over again, you know, at the time. We should have been friends at that age. (laughs) I wish we were. Right? We have talked about Quantum Leap so much, but you're right. Like not a lot of other people are watching it. I was just, I don't even remember what channel was rerunning it, but I watched it over and over. I was so into it and everything you said about it. Sam is such a good person and they dealt with stuff like, you know, he leaps into, you know, a black man in the South in like the early sixties. That's one of the episodes in season one. And I was thinking about this. So the first thing he says is, oh my gosh, I can leap into a black man. This is so what are the scientific implications of that? Because he's only ever leaped into white men before, which is a silly thing to say. But then I realized it was the show creators sort of going like, oh yeah, we're talking about racism now, like to the audience, like you can't stop us. And when he first leaps into a woman, nothing is a comedy about it. You know, he's a young, attractive secretary. Nothing's about haha, the man in the dress. It's more like, wow, it's really hard to wear high heels and deal with mm-hmm. being sexually harassed at work all the time. The show was so respectful I just, I don't know, going back to it, like I did recently watched a few episodes. It was like, wow, even Al, who I remember sort of being, I was like, oh, he's pretty objectifying of women. Not really. He talks about how cute women are and how much, you know, sex he's had, but he's more like a sexually liberated man than a misogynist. Like I would have thought the show would have created. So anyway, it's a great show. It still holds up in my, I mean, some things, obviously it's from 1989 to 93, I think. It's not perfect, but it holds up in ways like shows were not doing that at the time, exploring these issues. It's a very liberal show in that it puts a white man in the place of, you know, other people. He literally, as my husband says, has to walk through, walk in other people's shoes and see what it's Mm -hmm. like in all walks of life. So it's pretty cool that they did that in 1989. Yeah, and he is, like, respectful and compassionate the whole time. Anyway, sorry, I'll stop, like, fangirling over Quantum Leap. And he was cute. Well, I don't think we need to put a stop to that completely. (laughs) But, yeah, as usual, for this kind of property, I'm the least familiar with Quantum Leap. But I, you know, knew the basic premise. I'm sure I've seen a couple of episodes. And I've been wanting to talk about it on the show because it's 
It's kind of not unpopular as a fanfic topic, especially back in the zine era, and especially for crossovers. I mean, it could have been more representative if I'd chosen a crossover, but like, I feel like whenever I was researching other old properties, it was like, oh, and here's the Quantum Leap crossover. Hmm. I was looking for a Robin of Sherwood fanfic, like, here's the Quantum Leap crossover. You know, looking into the A-team, here's the Quantum Leap crossover. Back to the Future, obviously. But, like, I I think the first I encountered of it was reading a Sailor Moon Quantum Leap crossover, which is still archived online. It's just an easy crossover property for obvious reasons. Um, But I'm going to be counting on you two to tell me about the actual show and such. Yeah, we we have that early edition one, too, where the author made reference to their own Quantum Leap fic. But early edition was also one of my favorite shows at the time. So makes sense. I love early edition. Yeah, I'm glad we found an early edition fanfic because uh, like Tori especially kept talking about it, but also Della. Yeah. Well, you know, sorry, quick side note, but it's being re-uploaded on a YouTube channel. Um, <laughs> like re, um, they used a neural net to like, like make the quality better. And it's, um, yeah, if you look for early edition, you can find it uh, to watch for free on a YouTube channel in better quality. It's still coming. It's still coming out, quote oh. unquote, which is cool. I'll have to revisit that. I haven't seen it since the 90s. Yeah. <laughs> I, that's another show that I think really holds up. Um, another protagonist that's like just basically a, a good person, you know, cares about the world. And it is fun to watch because they have humor and yet they're also self-sacrificing. Well, speaking of the 90s, I guess we can introduce our fanfic for today, which is called The Last Measure of Devotion. And I found it through fan lore, just, you know, my first port of call for a completely unknown series that I need to find a fanfic for is usually fan lore, and um, ended up stumbling into it. It's cited as having won a Stiffy Award, which is was a new one for me. But luckily there's a fan lore article about that too won an award for Best Quantum Leap Novel in 1996 as a Stiffy Award. And apparently, they were set up as a response to the FanQ Awards, which I've used several times, um, because they didn't think that enough attention was paid to Slash material, presumably, like, presumably given the weight of how much there was of each, that maybe, like, maybe it was, like, a category for Best Slash in FanQ. I don't know. I have no understanding of how the FanQ Awards worked. It seemed like it was just like a category for whatever they wanted to give any given year. And it kind of looks at a glance like the Stiffy Awards are similar also. So yeah, what exactly winning an award from it meant or, you know, what competition there might have been or whether an award was just created for the fanfic because people liked it that year is all kind of unknown to me. Um, But at least... It's an indication that some people liked it. Unfortunately, I did not pay enough attention to that term novel. And when I was like looking at this and when I proposed it to you, Annie, I did not realize it was as long as it was. There's a link to like a way back archived copy of it. It was originally released, by the way, as a fanzine, 1996 by Quantum Fire Press by the author Sue Walker and with cover art by R. Neville, who or Neville, I suppose but I was not able to find that art. Um, what was I saying? There's a link to a Wayback version of it, and I just totally blanked when I was checking the length of it that the title of it is part one. And so I ran it through my website word checker. It said 40,000 words. I was like, that's a reasonable that's a reasonable length to like assign someone for a reading when they're doing us a favor by coming on the podcast. 
it's not 40,000 words long. <laughs> it's much, much longer. Did you input it to see how long it actually was? Yeah, whenever it's an online thing, I, I have a website that I plug the URL into and it tells me how many words it is. And so that I can try to avoid, you know, giving a whole lengthy novel to uh, guests like I just did with you. Yeah, but did you find out how long it actually was, like all three parts all together? All three parts. Um, I only realized, you know what, I can do that really quick. <laughs> do, 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 do. Oh, it's not a big deal. I was just curious. No, I'm curious too. I, I normally would plug it into um, Google Docs to see, but I didn't. Yeah, it's interesting. I didn't feel like this was... About 40,000 plus about 30,000 plus oh. about uh, 12,000. Call it 80,000 words. Wow. Thereabouts. I didn't okay. feel like this was really novel length, but that actually sounds like novel length. So. Yeah, it's That's a short novel. novel. Length, yeah. 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 Wow. Okay. So I'm very sorry, Annie. I hope I hope that was not too much of a assignment for you. I tried to avoid giving that to guests, especially if they did not actively agree to read 80,000 words <laughs> worth of fan fiction for us. I read a lot, so it's okay. But I was a little <laughs> surprised. I didn't realize there were three parts to it. I didn't realize there were two parts yeah. to it. Yeah, so, neither did I. Relatedly, I did not finish the story. I thought I oh. had enough time to finish it, and it turns out I did not because it was longer than I thought. I'll be counting <laughs> okay. on you, too. Annie and I are going to pull your weight this time. <laughs> oh, good. Please. I made it through this despite the fact that I got increasingly more and more upset with it as time went on. Well, shall we jump into the content or leap into the content as the case may be? Let's do it. All right. All right. I'm getting my blue glow lightning thing going so I can <laughs> Power leap up. into this fanfic author and write this fanfic differently. No, that's mean. <laughs> there were plenty of good things about this fic. I just had a few frustrations, which we will I found to. it very gripping, like from what I was reading. Oh, yeah. It, mm -hmm. I mean, gripping in a, like, I would say the feel of it is very tense throughout. So it was gripping mm -hmm. in the sense that like my teeth were clenched the whole time out of, you know... So, it's that kind of feeling. It's it's well written. I said this. Um, I said this to Chris, my sibling who's been on the podcast before. I said if this was a story about different characters, I would find it spectacular. But you know, and then of course their response to me was along the lines of like, "Well, that it's you know, it's not doing its job as fan fiction." I was like, "Well, that's not necessarily true." So I will explain those thoughts. I <laughs> think it's extremely well written. I just don't think it. The characters are. And the world, the themes are not done like the shows are. Well, let's get it set up. Yeah, Would one of you it. like to introduce the premise, kind of what the first part of the fanfic leads us into and what's going on at the start? Well, it's kind of odd. Like, so the author has a note, which is they ignored the very end of the last episode. They ignore the fact that Al gets back together with the his first, or he stays with his first wife because she, uh, or I don't know, marries his first love because she originally it was like, oh, she Sam went back in the episode to tell her that Al was coming back from the war. She thought he was dead, whatever. So they're ignoring that Al never got together with Beth, and Sam they're ignoring the part where Sam decides to never go home. So that's the very first thing. I don't know. I, I feel like I've been talking too much. So maybe someone else wants to take us into the the real premise there. The, I, I, I was worried that it would come down to me because I feel like it's somewhat convoluted and not 
always easy to understand. So, um, yeah, I, mean, I can do it if you prefer. Yeah, you do it. <laughs> All right, let's let's give this a try. Let's see if I can sort out my own like right. thoughts here. So we're starting the start of the fanfic, part one. It takes a while to get going, but basically we've got a couple of major parallel plot threads going on, and the one. So Sam, Sam, by the way, at the start of this fanfic is back in time um, dealing with this person named Claire. Is that from an episode of Quantum Leap directly? I don't think so. Okay. Um, because this is supposed to be post-series. So. Okay. I was just checking. I wasn't sure whether like the author had cut off something and this was a situation he'd already been in. Um, but that's relatively unimportant. What is more important is that it becomes clear. Well, okay. Al, Al back at Quantum Leap in the present or whatever we're going to call it is getting, you know, very extra antsy about getting Sam home. Shortly into the fanfic, he has a nightmare basically where um, he he's given to understand he only has 10 days there's only 10 days left to get, like, get Sam home or he's going to be lost forever. And shortly thereafter, by, by the way, I'm jumping around. I know there's like a bunch of different scenes going on. I'm just trying to get this plot thread going. And shortly after that nightmare, which causes him to make some questionable choices already, it then becomes clear uh, to the researchers, to the scientists, that the AI, uh, what's her name again? Ziggy. Ziggy. The AI Ziggy is breaking down slowly because of issues that cannot be fixed without Sam back there to fix them. And as a result, they really do only have about 10 days until at the very least Ziggy stops being operational. And so that is part of what propels the tension back in the present and leads Al to make some very questionable choices involving lying directly to Sam. Um, through yeah. this first part. There's also this conceit that for whatever reason, Sam's um, consciousness is getting more and more mixed up with the leap ease, the people he leaps into, um, which is the thing that has and, and like can happen in the series. But I don't feel like that was the implication that it would continue to go. I, anyway, that's the conceit of this and that he's losing more of his memory, which is weird because like in the show, he's slowly regaining his memory for sleep. He they call it Swiss cheese memory. He's got all these holes in his memory, but usually he's regaining it. Anyway, he's losing more of his memory, getting his sort of like drives and impulses, uh, motivations mixed up with other people. So he's actually sleeping with this 18-year-old secretary of his Levy named Claire, which I was just like, okay, I guess at least the author explains that it's because his mind is so mixed up. But that's a big cause of concern for Al, because Al is like, that's not something Sam would do. So he's like very motivated. He's like, we got to bring him home before he he loses himself, as well as Ziggy breaking down. So I was afraid you guys were going to make me explain like the moment of birth. He he leaps back to the moment of birth, but he's actually oh, right. dead. And I, like that. Okay, so mm -hmm. you, you wanted like more of an overall picture. I thought you meant like that specific thing because I don't know that I understand that part for sure um, yeah <laughs> okay that wasn't just me I'm either I'm thinking this person is either a genius or not good at explaining and I couldn't decide <laughs> which way it went well, wait 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 <laughs> I assumed that was just from an episode of quantum leap that was towards the end of the series are you telling me that's not the case 
Oh, the moment of birth? No, that is. That's the last episode. Oh, that is the last but, episode. Okay. Yeah. But the way it's explained, it's so convoluted, and I'm not 100% mm-hmm. sure I understand much oh, of I it. I had no idea either. I, I just took okay. it as like, okay, he left back to the moment of his birth, and this was a big deal somehow. And I was like, okay, got it. I'm moving forward in this story. No, they they were... Yeah. You know what? I am not even going to try. <laughs> <laughs> It was already abstract, and I feel, I I will say this, sorry, I said I wasn't going to try, but I I will say this, it's like, (laughs) the author has their own opinions on the themes of Quantum Leap, and they're trying to express them. Um, Some people think it's about religion, right? And I think the author is in a way sort of combating the people who think it's about religion. I think the author wants to, I guess, put their spin on things, and they definitely go into that, trying to explain their interpretations. Sure. And one thing I do like is that different characters have different interpretations of what's happening to Sam also, which I'm sure is also or why or whatever. Like he ends up having a talk with Sam's wife and she's coming at it from a religious angle. And by by he, I'm sorry. I mean, Al, who is definitely the mainest character of this story, even more so than Sam, I would say. We spend a lot of time, especially early on in his head and what he does uh, motivates the action, I would say, in large part. Though, to be fair, I didn't finish the story, so I'm not sure I'm not sure where Sam was going with his actions in part two either. Well, I, I will say the first, definitely the first part is Al's story. Like, more so, as you said, than Sam, so, to a surprising degree, because Sam's the one out there kind of lost in time. And I was surprised at how much this featured Al. Um, but I think the further, definitely part three is more Sam's story, or I guess Sam and Al. Um, and then the second part is kind of somewhere in the middle, but, um, it's not, yeah, it's it's really not so much about Sam as much as I thought it would be. Well, for sure. Yeah. I think this, I would say it mostly focuses on Al, um, like, uh, you know, if you take it in parts. Right. Speaking of Sam and Al, I guess I've been dancing around the main like plot drive thing in this first part because it's so uncomfortable. But Al is convinced that what Sam needs is like a really strong drive, like reason to get back home, basically. Like a very, very strong connection to the present. Why he's so certain of this, he is not able to properly justify to anybody else, really. Uh, which is part of what gets him in trouble, though not even remotely the only thing um and so and you know you know sam's wife will not come in and like be the the person communicating with him in the past to like be that anchor uh more directly and like al Mm -hmm. is the main relationship sam has had for all these years so and maybe with other subconscious reasons for doing this what al does is he talks to sam and he tells him look we're going to get you home within 10 days which is a lie They're not certain about that at all. But he's like, look, we've got something going. It's definitely happening. And so now I can talk to you like really directly about all this stuff in your life that you're missing. Like the fact that you and I have been lovers for 15 years and are the most important person in each other's lives. And what I what I like about this story is that that's a spectacularly bad idea. And everybody agrees except (laughs) Al in the story. Like, you know, there's nobody else in his corner on this. And and he his only like even justification to himself is kind of like my gut tells me this is the thing to do and like 
really, really strongly. And I've got to do it if I think that's the best, you know, chance to get Sam back. But even so, it's just so horrible. Well, it's true that Al has always been the connection and Sam's wife didn't want to get involved. She didn't want to influence him in any way in his leaps. She thought maybe it would um, hinder him from being able to help people knowing what he has waiting for him at home. So I get that. I understand. Um, and there is this debate, you know, is it is it God that is pushing Sam to do this? Or is he leaping because this is what he wants? He doesn't actually want to go home. So I can understand that. So now clearly Al believes that Al is, I'm sorry, Sam is doing this because he wants to continue leaping. He doesn't want to come home. So he needs a motivator. And somehow he thinks that this is the motivator um, to bring him home. (laughs) Somehow. Well, in a way, Al is right, right? Because that very, I just just rewatched the last episode, the, which is what they referred to as the moment of birth leap. In this is when you know Sam leaps back to the the day he was born, or well, the actual exact time he was born. Anyway, point is, um, in that episode, he decides to keep leaping because he wants to keep helping people. And there's this moment where, like, there's he's in a very like sort of abstract, surreal realm, and there's a bartender who. They sort of identify he represents, or at least he might be the force that is propelling Sam, whether that's God or time or whatever, never identify that. But he says, I'm not the one leaping you. And then he points to the mirror and is like, that's the person leaping you. And this is, of course, the first time Sam has seen himself as himself in five years. So it's Mm -hmm. significant. But the main point is like, Sam is like, he does decide to never return home. I mean, no, the author's ignoring that. But I understand they're saying, well, let's give him a reason. It's just Al's reason is, I guess he's respecting Donna's wishes, who's Sam's wife in this new timeline, whatever, um, because she doesn't want to Sam to know that. She doesn't want to be the reason he comes home. You know, she has her own feelings about this. She's even religious in this story, which I don't remember from the source, but whatever. Um like she's like a stand-in for religion in this story in a weird way we can get to that sorry i'm talking too much but the main point is like yeah al makes up an elaborate lie that he is sam's partner and i just went that's horrible like how horrible is it to do that to someone who literally can't know and it just doesn't even seem to me like something not only a a reasonable person wouldn't do like Al might be a little bit of a goof in the show and like talk about boobs a lot, but like, I think he's a, he's been a good friend to Sam, but this is definitely a big betrayal of trust in my mind. I just, I have thoughts. I I have moral opinions on this story. Well, but I don't think the author is saying it's a moral act either. And no, they're like, not. And, and when but you had like, raised the, the, the concept something of the like, character would do. That in the story, and not in the story, in the original series, Sam decides to keep leaping and such. You know, other characters push back against Al here where they're like, look, maybe getting him back at all costs is not actually the goal. Maybe it's better for him to keep leaping. Maybe that's what he wants. I, I remember Donna saying, like, he's grown so much in the past few years. And, you know, but even besides, like, helping other people things, that it's kind of been, been, you know, it's not necessarily Al's decision to try to force this to a head or not on a personal level. 
Though obviously there's that impending kind of deadline of ever being able to do it. Anyway. Um, this, this, the other thing about, this makes it so uncomfortable besides it kind of being a, uh, morally probably just flat out wrong choice is also just that he can do it so well because they have so much history actually that he's able to draw on that, you know, a couple times he's telling stories about them and their fictitious, you know, like relationship that he's telling about, but Al will just tell this whole lengthy anecdote up until the point of like all these things that actually happen. And then he'll be like, and then we kissed and like, it kind of works. And he's able to like invest so much emotion into it and like make it sound so, so real and be such a good liar about it because he's like 90% working from like, from them actually being emotionally close and having all this history. And I do like the way that the author plays with that because that is kind of the heart and soul of the show is their friendship but it becomes so manipulative and Mm -hmm. i did not see that coming it was it was definitely a shock like i knew it was slash but i didn't know by what means um and by any means by any means yeah (laughs) yeah um i guess you, you know you you're so are you me i'm so used to ao3 stories where or like i'm already so familiar with the fic that because it's we're we're all talking about it that i'm i know to accept uh, expect dubcon noncon and um this was very again manipulative and just mm, emotionally manipulative of sam who doesn't quite know whatever's going on and what who he is where he really comes from um i i don't know i don't know how to feel about al and then we're not quite there yet but then the resolution of the story and i don't know there's just there's there's a lot there's a lot of feelings there i would say my feelings were mostly like well this is really interesting up until a certain point we're like you know i I wasn't firmly emotionally attached to these characters to begin with right right so like with al going through with all this and the fact that it was clearly a train wreck from the word go and like this anyway all that was very very interesting but i did get emotionally invested at the point where sam has a dream about donna remembers donna confronts al about it and says like well why did you just lie to me about all this because i just remembered like my wife very directly and we were married and all this and i was like oh no no i wasn't lying to you that was just your memory playing tricks on you and doubles down and I'm like, no. And, you know, Al also is telling t- to himself, like, oh, shit, I should have just I should have just told him about his wife, because that's, you know, that's clearly what this is more about is getting him, you know, have, giving him a reason to go home. I should have come clean, but he doesn't in the moment. And it's very painful. Well, yeah, yeah. There's this implication that, you know, Al is not able to fully acknowledge that he has feelings for Sam. So to him, he can say outwardly to the world and probably to himself, oh, this is just me making up this thing to motivate him to come home. And there's a reason it doesn't make sense to anyone else because it doesn't. So the idea, you know, there's even a Dr. Verbana Beeks um, is the on-site psychologist. And she knows that Al is sublimating his feelings for Sam into these weird reactions. But like, apparently Al doesn't fully know. So that that's the author's justification. But I will say that 
you know, there's a funny thing. There's a warning at the beginning of this fact, this fic, you know, about what might be distasteful and or triggering. And it's like, it says part one contains a brief scene of non-consensual sex. However, I feel like this whole fanfic is an elaborate emotional manipulation. So that's my, I've had to say anything. It's my number one complaint about it is I don't know. Maybe the author didn't really understand how, how bad that was, but I don't know. Maybe that almost makes it worse. I'm not sure. Sorry. I'm not trying to come down too hard on the author. There's many like great things. They're very referential to like the whole series. They keep in mind all of the bits and pieces that come in, including like Sam as a biological daughter, because when he leaves, it's his biological body. So he got someone pregnant and now she's an adult and she works there at the quantum leap facility. So they bring in all these bits and pieces. And I think that's delightful, but this whole relationship is hard. It's very hard I think Al and Sam would be a great couple, but the way the author does it, it makes me go, I don't want them to be a couple. No, 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 this is bad. Well, you know, it, it's not that uncommon. It's not uncommon for us to read fics where the, the author is like, I love these characters and want them to be happy. It's also not uncommon to read fics where the author is like, I love these characters and I want them to suffer. Mm. And I think this is definitely more of the latter. I think it's, in a weird way, it's both. Yeah, I don't know if... <laughs> or they want them to suffer necessarily but the means by which they get them together and to be happy is weird and not necessarily in keeping with the show because i i agree that Mm -mm. they do a lot of stuff or they, they they borrow a lot from the show and there's definitely a love of that there are lots of easter eggs in there um referencing all the vietnam stuff and the daughter um, but then also it's almost like everyone's just kind of mean and mm-hmm. th- these aren't necessarily the characters that I know. Um, you know, oh, I-, I understand that Sam is not like himself and not that I'm saying that it's wrong to sleep around with people like, Oh, whatever, you know, as long as it's all consent- consensual, go for it. But it's not Sam. Mm-hmm. And they, they do justify that. And I get it. He's becoming more like the leapy and that's fine. What Al did is just wrong. And it doesn't, it, it just keeps happening in weird ways. And um, yeah, so there is that love for the show and you can feel it. You can feel that they know the show well and they pay homage to it here, but also um, just in a very strange way, I guess. Speaking of, yeah, you two were talking about Quantum Leap, the show, not shying away from kind of like sensitive cultural or political whatever issues. And there's this other through line in part one where um, that I I found very interesting just because I really wasn't expecting it, where Al immediately gets in trouble because nothing he does when he's communicating with Sam is secret. It's like, you know, they're using like all this technology and computers like to monitor it like 50 ways and maintain it. It's not like a private conversation, really. And so the very first time he like tells Sam about this, he walks out and everybody's like, what the hell? And that's not to mention that there end up being sexual encounters like indirectly through there. It's it's crazy. And so Al immediately gets in big, big trouble and like his head's on the line. And it but it also comes down to he's a Navy person, right? Mm -hmm. Am I remembering right? Yeah. Navy is also upset at him for 
changing his support from um from don't ask don't tell policy to like full inclusion of queer people in the military and is that something that previously happened in quantum leap from an episode it sounded like it was i don't know okay um, well i know I that they reference an episode where there was a gay person who was bullied in the Navy and that changed Al's mind. I don't know mm. anything specific about voting or um, anything like that. That might've been just for the fanfic, but I also haven't seen that episode in a very long time. So It seemed yeah, like that's same. the thing they're referring to because Al talks about there being an incident that caused him to change his mind. The Prescott incident, yeah. Yeah, it, this might be a great extrapolation that the author is using because they do that mm -hmm. a lot where like they extrapolate it apparently like in the politics like people have kind of been looking for an excuse to get rid of him this isn't even an excuse this is like by absolutely justifiable means to a lot, you know reasons uh for him not to be in the position he's in but uh because he's you know literally lying and you know kind of manipulating the person he's supposed to be looking out for and you know on, on his own authority with absolutely no advice from anybody else or scientific reasons to do it, it it's very good reasons but it's also like bringing home Man, I, I have not thought about the experience of queer people in the U.S. military in the 90s for a good uh, 20 years or anything like that. But dang, that was definitely more of a thing that you had to keep completely secret or else. And, you know, support for queer people in the military was a very controversial opinion that uh, I completely believe would get you in trouble within the organization like did here, especially since Al is apparently relatively visible and kind of like looked up to in certain circles um as, as the fanfic explains and so i just thought it was i don't know this i i wasn't expecting that to be another plot thread going on here um and it, obviously it, it descends into like internal politicking and you know backroom deals and all these things that sam that al's trying to do in order to keep his access to sam and that's something that i thought they did really well was um, with the don't ask, don't tell, which I believe they called not ask, not tell, which I, that was, but anyway, that, that, yeah, that was strange, whatever. but <laughs> whatever, it's not important. Someone um, needs to go back in time and fix that, you know, weird name scheme and put back <laughs> and wrong. Yeah. Um, I don't know if they did that on purpose to just reference it, but indirectly, but also very directly. Anyway, that, that's not the point. Um, but also AIDS is such a big deal in this story mm -hmm. where, I feel like there's more of a resolution to the AIDS question than there is to the non-con that happens <laughs> where I don't like, I don't know. It's, yeah. Yeah. But it was also just such a big deal in the nineties where it was the quote unquote gay disease and it was everywhere and people talked about it and you were scared and there were rumors like you go to a movie theater and you sit down and there's going to be a needle that pokes you and you you would hear this stuff and then you you find out you had AIDS and this stuff was everywhere so it makes sense that they would put this into the story but um I I I think what bothers me about that is as I said, the resolution to the AIDS versus like the consequences for the non-con that occurs, um, which I don't know if you actually got to that point in the story. Okay. Oh, you're going to have to tell me. But yeah, this story only sort of gets worse in my opinion. Oh, I'm sorry. 
That's a shame because when I was reading um, the first part, I was like, well, I see why Tori would get very upset about right. some of this, but it's a very gripping read. Yeah. So like it, it is. But I but maybe maybe it just gets more frustrating and less gripping later on. I don't know. It's uh, just hard because, you know, things get, you know, as as much as Al's behavior is morally reprehensible in the first part, um, his does get better towards the end. Like he admits what he did wrong. But like other things keep happening that both don't fit with the themes of Quantum Leap, don't really make sense within the story proper. And there is, you know, the non-consensual sex scene that the author referenced, which it's not even so much that that's, I mean, it's bad, obviously, but the fallout is even worse because Al goes, oh, I'm not a fairy. I'm not a faggot because I didn't like that. My love for Sam is pure, like straight up. Yeah. That's what it says. Like, it was just like the worst uh, homophobic shit. Like, I can't, I'm sorry. I want to say that the author was like being in Al's head in a way that they thought Al would be, but he's not homophobic. He's said well, that in the show. He's, you know, defended queer people and basically went straight up like, I'm not homophobic. So I don't I, know. It's, I uh, did, I mean, I did reach that point. I and this is this is involved with like another scientist that you know um on the project who's apparently an important character who Sam is trying to like keep in the good graces of for convoluted uh political you know political scientific reasons um but I mean Tori I I yeah that that jumps out at one and I think yes. the author was getting into Al's head. And I, I don't, it's definitely not the they author. Professor they it's definitely like Al being like totally messed up in, you know, a lot of his like self-regard and like attitudes towards himself and his sexuality and such. And I totally understand if you say that is not faithful to Al in the show. You're right. I, I shouldn't have implied that I think the author thought that. Yeah, it is very, th very the author fair. doing their version of Al's voice here. I think you're right. I just don't think that's Al's voice. Mm -hmm. Um. And to make it Al's voice, you're right. I shouldn't have implied that the author would think the same way Al was thinking in their in their story. I don't think they did. But they're putting really weird words into his mouth. And it just feels, I don't know, maybe it's a little bit triggering to me, but it just feels very distasteful. Um, just not faithful. to. The, in fact, it bothers me more that I don't feel like it's faithful to the character, to be honest. <laughs> agree there there were definitely some words that i think mostly al was using he was the more exuberant one um <laughs> in terms of the homosexuality that the um i mean did he talk badly about women it, honestly like i feel that mm -hmm. is something that i would normally notice i don't remember this one because there were so many other things that i was thinking that's not in keeping with the owl from the show, including fat shaming where yeah. lard bucket, which I don't know. Well, I, that was just, that felt so strange and wrong and not as in the kind of accepting, loving nature of the show. For sure. And like, you know, you would have thought, you know, if the author was going to seize on something for Al, they'd say he's being misogynistic because he is, you know, he dates a lot of women. He's been divorced like four times in the show. But like, I never felt like that was the weird thing that this fanfic does. And, and I'm not, you know, maybe that's a fair extrapolation. I don't know. We never get this in the show. But at the very least, he will, he says when Tina leaves him, 
because Tina leaves him because she knows he's a quote unquote faggot. She calls him a yeah. faggot and leaves him because of it. Whatever. Um, she rips up all of his clothes and like he says, Oh, I've had this happen. If I had women rip up all my clothes, I've had them, you know, light fire to my stuff. I've had them do this and this and this as implying as if he, who hasn't. Well, my point is, is they're implying that Al did things to like, frequently did things to wrong women and i just i I think he dated a lot of women i don't think he frequently wronged them i guess is all i'm saying i don't know that's probably maybe one of the minor complaints it's just it's a stack of things in the mischaracterization of my opinion but i get how the author got to that one because he looks at a lot of girls and he dates a lot of women he's been divorced much so yeah well all of this stuff that we're talking about is basically part one stuff and I think we should probably touch on the rest of the story. It will have a chance if we go back. There's this whole plot threads we've just like totally basically ignored or just, you know, referenced once and never again that take up a lot of space. But the thing is, all of this, you know, direct, flat out lying and emotional manipulation of Sam, it doesn't not work because he does end up leaping back into at least much closer to the present. And that's like the cliffhanger at the end of part one before the lead into part two. So now um, we're, we have kind of a limited amount of time that we can talk about things and we have no way to go back in time or, you know, otherwise stretch out our, our lived experience. So can one of you talk a little bit about how things shape up once um, Sam at the start of part two ends up back in close to the present he's not actually in like the present present where we were just talking about with al he's actually back towards like just before the quantum leap series begins is that right right so he leaps back into march of 1995 a few months before he did his first leap and no one remembers anything that's happened obviously it's you know everything's kind of been reset um and he leaves into himself. Yeah, oh yeah. The most important yeah. part. He leaves into himself. <laughs> um, right. So he leaps into himself, which and like I I did read parts two and three very close together. So if I leak into a little bit of part three, I don't remember exactly what is where, but um oh, that's fine. So his the present self, the, the one that he leaped into went to the imaging chamber in um into the future. And as with Al, his, he has leaped into himself in 1995. So he's five years younger than when he started. He's back home with his wife and trying to readjust. He and Al are not really getting along. He's uh, upset about what has happened. Feels like he's been taken advantage of. And he's kind of trying to reassess his feelings over the project and decide what course to take if he should actually move forward and like right am i am i correcting this continue like do the leap when it starts again um because he he doesn't quite know if it's all worth it i do want to say that's about as far as i got and i don't really know how any of it wraps up but that is just delightfully insane time travel shenanigans of the sort that i do appreciate where it's like oh well here's two different versions of the characters in different parts of the timeline where they're not supposed to be and here's you know uh, the possible paradox of never having started the experiment that allowed time travel to begin with. It's just all that kind of like crunchy time travel nonsense. It is fun in that way. Yeah. 
It is. It's it's cool. And while the first part I felt was really action packed, this one kind of meanders a little bit. He walks around. He thinks about life. He talks to his uh, friends and family. He talks to his brother. Um, and it's not quite as action packed. And again, I don't, I don't recall if I'm going into part three here, but Sam in the imaging chamber is sick and dying. Mm -hmm. I think it's all like muddled in my head. So you can slow me down. No, parts two and three really bleed together. So I think it's totally fair to talk about them together. Okay. 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 Um, so Sam is dying in the imaging chamber because there can't be two Sam's of such close age living at the same time. Um, and it's cool. It's cool to think about like what would happen if there were two of you the exact same mm-hmm. age? I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Because he'd only leaped into himself one other time, but he was 16 at the time and it didn't last very long. He completed the leap. He completed his goal, etc. And this is very different because we don't know what his goal is because as you mentioned before, Ziggy is dying and Ziggy's the computer that controls everything in, and tells, in a way, tells Sam what he's supposed to do. But we don't know what he's supposed to do. So he's got totally free reign now. And that's also a very interesting premise. <laughs> right, there's no actual goal in mind at this point. He's just kind of living his life and trying to figure out exactly what he wants to do. And you really feel that in how kind of slow this part is and not that things don't happen but as i said there are there's a a lot of like thinking i have to i have to go out into the mountains and think Mm -hmm. and donna's really accepting of that um i don't know she's just she seems like such a good understanding person she's never putting pressure on sam to do stuff but um i don't know where i'm going with that process that thought process either so if anyone else wants to jump in as the person who did not read that far um, what kind of ends that sequence of kind of meandering and thinking about his life and deciding what he wants to do? Is there another inciting incident or does he just kind of reach a conclusion about what he wants? So this is something I didn't really understand. And I don't know, maybe uh, Anna can help me elucidate here, but it's like he definitely decides that he wants to stop Project Quantum Leap before it starts. Right. I think the main motivation is that he he wants to have a, a quote-unquote normal life with Donna. And now that he really, because he just learned, by the way, um, Sam never knows this in the series, that his actions in the past like changed his own future and, and it meant that Donna never left him at the altar. Like he discovers it at one point in the show, but then I think he forgets it again. At least as far as this fanfic is concerned, I can't remember if that's canon or not, but I know. Anyway, my point is this like, if he stops Project Quantum Leap, he can have a normal life and and not go on to to do all of that stuff. But I'm not sure why he wants to do that because he also talks about I can I can save the world from the dangers of time travel or whatever. But it's like he helped so many people's lives when he was leaping. So I'm not. This is the part I didn't really understand. I don't know that I'm clear on the motivation either. Um, I think i don't know if it's the i guess um fear of heartbreak from what happened with Mm -hmm. al i'm not quite sure but because that that is kind of a driving force in this um in this section in section two was his anger at what happened and everyone's trying to 
kind of get them back together more in a platonic friendship sense because it's always Sam and Al and they do everything together. And um, I'm not, I don't, it's a little convoluted and there's, there's a lot of things being said and a lot of things happening, but it does get to the point where Sam decides to leap then into the future. Yeah. Got it. So wait, when you say he decides to leap into the future, does that mean he can consciously choose at this point? Like having gotten home, he kind of figured it out? He figured what out exactly? Like how to choose where to leap to? I guess so. It is. It's convoluted. <laughs> so, okay. um, he has a very touching moment with Al by the poolside where they kind of, hold on, I did write down exactly what he said. Said. I don't know. Oh, great. My computer's not responding to my touch. So never mind there. Um, but he has this touching conversation with Al by the poolside where I think Al basically says, I made that up, but it was what I really wanted. It was kind of you know, wish fulfillment almost. And um, Al's high on Valium from Al's death. They, oh, right. I'm sorry, from Sam's death, they have. Um, shot him up with Valium to calm him down, but it's making him possibly hallucinate or he's, he's acting strange anyway. And um, as Al is being dragged back out of the imaging chamber, Sam says, what time is it? Where, where are you right now? And he looks at Al's watch and he knows exactly when and where Al mm -hmm. is and then decides that he's going to leap into that time. So yes, he now has choice over where he is going Okay. To leave. That's yes. a new development. Well, it is and it isn't, right? Because that very last episode I mentioned before, right? The God controller or whatever, time man, looks at him and goes, <laughs> you have control. So I think this is Sam, like, first of all, his Swiss cheese brain has got even more Swiss cheese, whatever. Um, now he's got all his memories back, I think, in a way, as a result of leaping back to it closer to present time. So maybe this is him, this is, I think this is him finally recognizing I have control and deciding, you know, I finally want to leap home, which, you know, it, it does gel with the end of the series. The end of the series is, you know, Dr. Beckett never returns home. And it was a direct result of like looking in the mirror and going like, you know, it's you that makes the choice. So this is him making the opposite choice. I don't think that gels with the themes of the show or necessarily the character, but I understand where it's coming from. And I appreciate that the writer was like putting that in place and saying like, if he knows what he really wants to do, he can do it. He just has to know. Yeah. It's him honing that skill, I guess, yeah. at this point. Right. Well, I mean, if you're bringing the Quantum Leap series to a conclusion, that seems like one way that you could cap it off. I mean, that seems very, mm -hmm. you know... Like, like right. a progression that kind of makes uh, a gut sense. Yeah. Well, because he's, you know, he's named Samuel Beckett, by the way. And part of the show is Waiting for Godot. You know, <laughs> Samuel Beckett wrote Waiting for Godot, um, which is, you know, two people waiting for a god that never comes or an ending that never comes. This is uh, the author's fantasy of what if we really could get him home. And that's totally fine with me in, in many ways. It, it sort of thwarts the theming of the show. But of course, people wanted to see Sam get home. Of course, they did. Yeah. Like five years of this show, all he kept saying. The intro goes, hoping the next leap will be his leap home. 
So this is about the leap home. And in this, it's Alice's motivation. So they sort of reconcile. Um, not sure exactly how that went down, but they do reconcile. I did, I did find the quote that I wrote down. So this is the conversation by the pool right before he, um, he being Sam decided he was going to leap into the future. It says for 20 years, he'd accepted Al's love without ever giving it the dignity of acknowledging it for what it was. You weren't lying. Were you? He said very softly, raising his eyes slowly. Al met them ruthlessly. Sam felt the image of the history Al had created of the two of them flow through his mind so vividly. He was certain Al must see, must see them too. When he came to the time they made love by the ocean, he flushed, but he didn't, I'm sorry, but he didn't break eye contact. Al shook his head, smiling, just wishing. So this is them kind of making up. It's, I don't know if it's an apology from Al specifically, but it's his acknowledgement that, yes, I lied but this is what I did wish would happen to us. And I think Al's, I'm sorry, Sam's acceptance of that. Yeah, it's Sam finally understanding the reason why Al lied. And I guess Al understanding that too. Not that that makes it okay, but right. I, I understand the author being like, okay, now we can finally, especially because, you know, something the author does talk about, despite some of their homophobic language and like hyperfixation on AIDS, um, which I, I don't know, there's some stuff. But they, they clearly thought, you know, that these characters had repressed feelings for each other because of that prejudice and that they had to work it out in this way. So they work it out. Now they're together. Um, they have sex, sort of. There is, I'm sorry, but I just have to do one more last little thing, which it's just hilarious because they're rubbing their penises together, Right which is something I have noted in fanfics that are written by people who have never actually had gay sex. Uh, I don't know. Maybe they have. It doesn't even matter. The point is, is like, there's a line where it's like, uh, Sam is angry because he can, of the physical impossibility of being inside Al. And I'm like, that's not physically impossible. <laughs> what are you talking about? Anyway, uh, they have sex Wait, by rubbing their penises together. End of story. Was mm -hmm. this in part three or, or by the pool side? Oh, this was the very end. I was the thinking very end. of. Okay, I guess I I must have missed that part. Yeah, because the, okay. like they finally have sex at the very end. I I think. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, that that's not a huge shock. Um. Okay. Well, great. I guess that that brings us at least in a certain sense to the end of the story, and. Because of time constraints, I think we need to wrap it up relatively soon. But, as noted, this was very, very long, and we've skimmed over a lot of things. Before we conclude, were there any of the kind of plot threads or plot points or events or anything that anyone wants to talk about specifically from earlier on that we didn't really touch on or talk about enough? There's a lot in this story. I, I definitely <laughs> think there's things we could um, come back to, but... I think we've generally summarized it, unless me skipping ahead to that <laughs> weird sex scene jumped over anything at the end. I'm not sure. But. I mean, I would say that in part three, there's a lot of celebration, a lot of people coming together. Um, mm. There was no real resolution to Al's rape. Um, oh, yeah. So she says, I, I 
wrote this quote down too um, after Al's rape. He says he'd just recruited a communist to help him hoodwink his own country's security service. And how had he recruited the man? Anyway, it doesn't matter. But he's this guy, um, the Russian, is supposed to help Sam get home. That was all for nothing because it didn't do anything. It turns out it was Al's love and fake story that brought Al home. I'm sorry, Sam home. I keep, I keep messing that up. Um, but yeah, just that was a little strange, but anyway, like it's not really ever acknowledged again, except in terms of the, Oh, and, uh, by the way, I don't have AIDS, so you don't have it either. And it was just like, what? What? Who talks like that? Anyway, (laughs) it doesn't matter. Um, so that, Part three is a lot of celebration and everyone, you know, congratulating a lot of um, just rejoicing in the fact that Sam has come home. And Donna, who was supposed to have married another man 20 years ago, decides like, yeah, maybe I'll go back to him, which was a little strange. Because um, who knows? The guy's waiting around. Just some... some 20 some years is quite like a while. Logic points where... Yeah. You just you're not quite sure what they're thinking. Um but I think that's the majority of part three is just the celebration and then Sam and Al coming together. All right. Well then we've been looking side eye at several things about this fanfic um over the course of our discussion. But we're going to start, as usual, with a complaint and then end on praise for whatever we liked most about the fanfic. So first off, what one thing about the fanfic would you like to complain about or that you think could have been done better? And if it's something we've discussed at length, then, you know, you can just touch on it one more time. But but we don't all have to rediscuss everything if if we've already talked about it. Um, As I've said before, the, the homophobia or at least the homophobic terminology that's used in the story is not really in keeping with the characters from the show that we know and love and their how open-minded they generally tend to be um and i don't know if that was the author trying to make a point about something or if it was the author's own bias i'm i i don't quite know but overall that would be my main complaint um and how some of those things were never really resolved. Um, what I do like is that there is obvious, or do, do all three of us like go well, around first? Actually, that is what we do. Yes, we go my around. My bad, my bad. I forgot. No, no. All right. It's just so we can end on notes of, of pure positivity at the end. Mm-hmm. Okay, gotcha. No big deal. <laughs> so do I need to end that or can that just be no. edited? Oh, uh, or we could just leave it in and embarrass you. I mean, what do you prefer? Embarrass me. <laughs> <laughs> i've said no, this think... on podcasts it's cool <laughs> how about you tori oh gosh well i mean obviously i i have been kind of throwing my own book at this thing the whole way through but i suppose you know there's a couple things um you know the mischaracterization is one like there's one point where Al says if uh, Tina, who leaves him, um, had damaged his pins, he'd have the bitch found and killed. Just like, it's not something Al would say. And it doesn't fit with the tone of the story. 
And then there's the other part where he says he's not, he's, you know, he's sexually assaulted. And he's like, it proves for damn straight. Al Calavucci was not queer. Don't knock it until you try it. Isn't that what the fairies always say? Well, he tried it now and he hadn't liked any better than having the rabbit stick live wires in his balls. And I don't know. And then he starts talking about faggots and it's just like, and then he says something about how his love for Sam is pure. I know I mentioned that. It's just yeah. some of this mischaracterization. I don't know where the author is coming from with this too. And that's similar to what Annie said. Yeah. Though I suppose, you know, the biggest thing is that I'm not really sure at the end why Sam wants to delete the whole Quantum Leap project, which is what ends up happening. Because he says time travel over and over, time travel was damaging and it was bad and blah, blah, blah. But his only justification is because he didn't spend those years with Donna. Then he decides not to spend those years with Donna. (laughs) And he helped so many people through time traveling. So I, I guess... So my main thing is the the ending didn't make a lot of sense. Like just even in the internal logic of the story, what was the motivation? Got it. Well, for my part, I mean, yeah, the things you're talking about are noticeable, but I not being invested in the characterization of the characters. Um, I would say for me, what I found most disappointing was that I really liked the the tense energy of the first part of it where there is both a time limit that's looming and a series of bad choices spiraling further and further out of control on the part of Al. And it seems like even as far as I read into part two, like you were kind of saying, Annie, it sort of meanders after that. It it sort of abandons that, um, that drive and energy, as uncomfortable as that energy is. Um, it sort of, sort of loses it about halfway through the word count of the story, it seems like. And I guess that's what I found most disappointing because if it had, if it had just blown up into like flaming disaster ruin of like, you know, horrible consequences and it was some kind of big tragedy, I, I think I would have liked that more as a way for it to continue than to kind of have to slow down and circle back around and decide that, oh, and these characters are going to hook up now. Maybe that's my personal tastes. I don't know. <laughs> I think that's legitimate, actually. But now, let's end as usual on praise. What was your favorite thing about the story, or, um, you know, thing that you find most praiseworthy? And I guess... I- I'll start this time, because I went last last time, and <laughs> we can circle back around or something. Um, related to that tense energy in the first part, I thought it felt very, very, like, kind of viscerally grounded in the present, in the first part of the story. Largely because there were all these different characters in the project who all had their own opinions about the other characters and about the situation. And I mean, and then of course there's like the Navy stepping in. And even the Navy person who comes in is kind of presented as a very direct individual with like a a reason why he's there. He doesn't really want to be there, but he also has these strong opinions on what's going on, obviously. Uh, most people would. And and just like it it all felt very kind of emotionally vivid, I felt like. And I thought that was really well done. Yeah. You know, I think I said before that if this was a story about different characters, about, you know, if this just wasn't a Quantum Leap story, I think it's extremely well written. However, that being said, um, the author clearly has a lot of passion for the material. And they're trying to rectify, I think, in their own head, um, 
you know, what makes sense in this story? You know, should this be a religious interpretation or, or what is the force that's guiding Sam? And so they actually represent different opinions through different mm-hmm. characters. Like Donna becomes the religious character to represent the common interpretation. I guess it's relatively common of the series that it's, you know, God is the force that's leaping him and that, you know, there's the the dark leapers, the devil working against him. Um, and they had such passion for the material that they made reference to almost every like very important change in the timeline. Sam's biological daughter, the fact that he saved his brother, Tom, you know, it's a big point of, uh, you know, that he hadn't seen Tom since Tom was 20 because he, he should have died. But, you know, Al tells him, you know, now he's 50 and he's thriving and he's, he's training. I think he's training Navy SEALs. Yeah, because he was a Navy SEAL. Um, there's so many references that I had to go back and like pick out the important, you know, pl- you know, long-term plot-related episodes of the show to watch so I'd remember who all these characters were. Even Maggie, the journalist who dies when he saves Tom, becomes an important point for Sam of like, is leaping really moral? Am I deciding who lives and dies? And that's a really important question. So yeah, they had a lot of passion for the material and they cared a lot about how this shook out. I think that's pretty admirable. Also, you know, I've said before, just dedication to the work. And this is a complete novel. <laughs> it, it the, the pacing is pretty good and it shakes all the way through to the end and Sam and Al get together, and who wouldn't want Sam and Al to get together? <laughs> and I will agree with most of that. I think there is definitely a love of the show, and and that shows through all the references and the time invested in the work. Um, even if I didn't always understand their leaps of logic in what was written. I like there were times where I was like, is this an actual character from the show? And I would go Google it and like, yep, sure enough, that that was a character. Mm-hmm. And I I had to kind of read about it a little bit to remind myself. So that was really impressive how well they were able to interweave all of the mythology of the show into the story. Yeah, that's true. You know, it's funny. There's only one character who wasn't a character from the show, I think, which was Goretsky, the Russian scientist. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just fully assume that he must have been because every other character is. So I, I couldn't find him when I Googled him. Me neither. I, maybe he was. I don't know. Well, I, I definitely pulled up like the Quantum Leap Wikipedia article for the cast, like when I was starting reading, see these names. And it was funny seeing like, oh yeah, there's like Sam and there's Al and like there's Donna who showed up in like maybe 20 episodes and these other, these other members of Team Quantum Leap. It's like, oh, this person showed up twice. But, like, here she is as kind of a prominent character here. She's present. She's got, she's got her own thing going on. And there were a few characters yeah. like that, it seemed like. Um, mm-hmm. I guess that's, that's kind of a normal sort of thing fanfic writers would do, is taking these relatively unexplored threads and picking them up when they're writing. Absolutely. Well, I hope that despite some of the difficulties we had reading this, um, it was more in, you got more out of reading this and chatting about it. It was more fun than it was, you know, difficult or a pain for either of you. It was definitely fun to chat about. Um, (laughs) 
sometimes the more shocking ones make for livelier conversations. So, well, thank yeah. you so much for coming on with us here today. Um, I definitely appreciate both like your presence and perspective, Annie, and having somebody on to talk about Quantum Leap, which, like I said, was, you know, we're never going to be able to read everything, but Quantum Leap is a, a fandom that was big enough that I feel like I've had in the back of my mind to address one way or another for a while and just didn't have a good guest for. I am so glad that I was able to fill that role. <laughs> and thank you for having me. Of course. And, and I was especially delighted to be able to have someone to talk about Quantum Leap with. So thank you. <laughs> Anytime you want to chat Quantum Leap. Like I said, I'm going to pick up that rewatch soon. So yeah, do it. And if we want to hear about X-Files or other fan fiction or um, other books that fans might be interested in hearing about, could you tell us where we can find your other projects online? Yeah, so I work for Audio Fanfic Podcast, and you can find that at audiofanficpodcast.com or just wherever you listen to podcasts. We are pretty much everywhere. Um, and then if you're interested in kind of venturing out from that and seeing what other people or what other uh, things you might want to read from comic books to even like we, we've done... Um, what is it uh like book to screen adaptations and we're working on some other stuff that's fangirls library podcast and that's again wherever you listen to your podcasts and i should i plug twitter or oh by all means plug everything i don't know who i am on twitter anymore i i am <laughs> i changed recently on twitter i am banani b a n n i e underscore x i believe <laughs> that's me that's a good screen name oh thank you it's always nice when you have a name that you can make some you know sort of pun about yes thank you i my, my husband actually did it first so i'm not that original <laughs> i mean puns are the oldest form of humor right so you don't need to be original i am a sucker for a good pun honestly right mm -hmm. Obviously, I'm a little bit too fond of alliteration, looking at the name of our podcast that I suggested, but puns are also very good. That's always a good way to go. <laughs> yeah, well, you know what they say about alliteration. It makes an assonance of you and me. No, wait. <laughs> Jokes for nerds. I'm also receiving a note that Della might have been the one to suggest this one, suggest this title. Um... Maybe it wasn't me. Maybe I just have huge holes in my memory from years of leaping through time or being a parent. Called out there. I think it I think it was Della, actually. <laughs> One or the other. I often don't remember what happened yesterday because I'm a parent. I'm like, I don't know. Yesterday that was a long time ago. So <laughs> at least you'll have an excuse. <laughs> oh yeah. It's a great excuse for being late to things, missing things, forgetting things, just generally being tired. If you don't have a kid, Tori, you should just pretend to have a kid. I do have a kid. She's uh, 60 pounds and covered in fur. <laughs> the most adorable kind. <laughs> All right. This was episode 133 of Retro Fanfic Retrospective. Um, what was the name of this fanfic again? Uh, the Last Measure of Devotion. Published in 1996, originally in zine form by 
I should have had this pulled up. Here we go. Sorry, Sue Walker. That's right. You can find it online via the magic of the Wayback Machine, originally hosted on the Quantum Leap slash archive. And we'll be providing a link to that in the show notes. Presumably, you can also find it in zine form floating out there, but that would probably cost you more money. The intro song to the podcast is The Weekly Fair off of the album Popey's Incredible Adventure by Komiku. The outro song is Run Against the Universe from the same album. And you can find that album and other works by Komiku at loyaltyfreakmusic.com. Our podcast is edited by Della Davis. If you have questions, comments, or thoughts about the episode, you can find our website at retrofanficretrospective.podbean.com or bit.ly slash retrofanfic. Come to think that you can't leave the questions or comments at the website, so you might need to find us on Twitter at Retrofanfic, Facebook at Retrofanfic, or send us an email at retrofanficretrospective at gmail.com. I'm Amato. I'm Tori. I'm Annie. We're just three Earth lifeforms trying to be nice to each other. Until next time, take care. We did I remember to do it. I did yeah. it. You did it. <laughs> Thank you so much. That was awesome. No, no, you are doing us a favor and we owe you one. And if you...